0: Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot. Take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good afternoon, everybody. How are we doing? Well, it's a kind of afternoon for me because we're on. Daylight Savings Time here in California, so it's not going to get dark for another hour or so. So I'm kind of excited about that. I like, I like this, one. I like this time of year. A lot of people don't like it. I like this time of year. Anyway, welcome to the show. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of Sacramento, California. We're 35 strong up and down the state of California, with with uh, people in Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. So we're kind of spread out. So if you have any paranormal issues that you you know you think you have paranormal issues that you need help with, shoot me an email or shoot me a you know shoot or shoot me a a personal message here. I'll get back to you. I promise. Anyway, we got a great show for you tonight. Doctor, I'm gonna make sure I get the name right. Simeon Hine. I hope I got the name right. Okay, is going to be with us tonight to talk about ghostly stuff and remote viewing. I'm always fascinated by remote viewing. I had a psychic on my team that would do remote viewing. And um, she was so accurate, it was spooky. I would walk in. She would describe because uh, one of our policies is before we go out on the job, we take a picture of the front of the house and send it to a remote psychic. We don't tell them where the house where the house or building is located, no address, nothing like that. But we strain my hat. I thinking about my hat. But we um, send we send it to the remote psychic, and the remote psychic will then do a read on the house. She might tell us, Hey, there's activity up in the upper right hand upper right bedroom, or you know, I, I I could see something going on over there. But the cool part about it was she was so accurate she could tell you the exact color of the paneling, or the wall, if the house had wallpaper or what color the walls were in the house. She'd say, okay, you're going to walk through the front door and off to the left is the living room. Keep going forward and make make another right and that's the kitchen. Off of that's a kitchenette. There's a chair by the door. Yada yada yada. And I remember going on investigations and just being astounded because everything was where she said it would be. The couches, everything in the house. It was just crazy. Or in big hotels, you know. Um, One of the hotels, I think it was Hotel L'Ager. I'm trying to remember Hotel Leger. We walked in and she said, well, you're going to go through this door and there's going to be a bunch of uh, chairs along a wall, like a porch type wall. And they're going to be off to your left. And sure enough, I walk into this hotel, I go through this back section and there's these chairs all lined up. I mean, just, it just blows you away, you know, when you get somebody that can really do that stuff. But anyway, there you have that. that, that that's my little story for the day about uh, remote viewers. Anyway, um, just to let you know on the ghost tour, there's one more spot just opened up. So we have two spots left for that ghost tour. You can find that at CaliforniaHuntsRadio.com under special events. Or if you're on our meetup, check it out over at the meetup. But, you know, uh, we're trying to get those last two spots filled, and I think they're going to fill pretty fast. So that'll be kind of fun to do. Okay, without further ado, I'm going to bring our guest on, and he can tell you a little bit about himself, and then we'll take off from there, just like always. Here we go. Hello, sir.
1: Hey, Charlotte. How's it going tonight?
0: Good. How are you?
1: I'm doing fine. Thank you.
0: Tell us a little bit about you, sir.
1: Well, um, I'm a human. I, I live on Earth, and I currently reside in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, I I went to school a long time ago. I learned a lot of things, you know, from kindergarten onwards, and I'm starting to doubt whether any of that is true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I learned all the way to the Ph.D., 27 years of continuous school. I did. Wow. It like an Olympics, I got the Ph.D., and I've really been wondering recently, did all of that education missed something really important about how our universe works and are we seeing increasing amounts of information and topics and phenomena that don't fit that model Mm -hmm. and that's what i've been looking at ever since i got my phd is how do we deal with all these other phenomena that don't fit within this kind of you know rationalistic logical you know in kind of empirical model that right, science right, right. uses. And yet we have all people have experiences that don't fit that model mm-hmm. and they don't, you know, they don't feel comfortable talking about it in amongst the public and society around friends because they're afraid of ridicule. Sure. So I'm kind of wondering how many people are out there that have had experiences that don't fit what we were told is real and how many of those people haven't come forward yet. To tell us what they've experienced, all the phenomena, I'm talking UFOs, Bigfoot, ghosts, telepathy, remote viewing, you know, precognition, all of those types of experiences were not taught to us in school as being real. But increasingly, numbers of people say, uh, including members of our armed forces, say they've experienced something that doesn't fit that model that we were taught. So what do we do about this? Mm
0: hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what I'm looking at now.
0: It makes sense. And then there's the people also that no matter if they experience something, they're not gonna want they're not gonna believe it anyway.
1: Right. They may not even believe their own experience. Mm-hmm. They may forget about it because it doesn't fit the model of reality that they were taught is real. And so that's a whole other category of people that don't <laughs> remember their experiences because. It doesn't fit and and it doesn't seem to have any value or utility. So they forget about it pretty quickly. That could be one reason why they forget. It could be just unconsciously we don't remember things that don't fit. I mean, you're talking about remote viewing if you you know in introducing the show tonight. I mean, the data, the information that we have from, you know, brain physiology shows that we're only aware of a tiny fraction of all the information around us every moment anyway. Even in normal, you know, ordinary circumstances, we're only seeing a tiny fraction of 1% consciously that's there. So we're very good at deleting things that don't fit what we were taught is real. And I think you have a good point. We might be doing that so automatically we're not even aware we're doing it. Right?
0: Well, it's funny. You know, I've had people on my team who are skeptics, which is fine. I mean, you need that. You need that balance. You need, the oh, leader, sure. and you need your skeptics. But I had one particular person who actually got slapped on the face and the marks were on her face. And she still went, well, I don't know. I don't <laughs> think it happened. And you're like, well, there's a handprint on your face. I don't understand how you can sit there and tell me it didn't happen. You know, I don't understand. I just don't get it.
1: That is really funny that she said. It never happened because that's the title of one of the books written by one of these missile launch control officers who worked at Minot Air Force Base in the late 60s. And when all of their missiles went offline one morning after a UFO came over the base, they were told by their superior officers in the Air Force, it never happened. (laughs) And you will not talk about what never happened.
0: Now you have a PhD so obviously you 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 became you you became a scholar scientist what drew you to this topic
1: Oh that's a very good question so a couple of years after getting my PhD I'm kind of thinking well what am I going to do with my life am I going to go into academia you know uh, go into work at a university whatever and I somebody was talking about this thing called remote viewing on my local radio station KGNU it was a Dr. Courtney Brown from the Farsight Institute, his own, you know, nonprofit that he had set up uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. And he said, you could teach this to people and 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 you could learn it in about a week. He was teaching a class. He had a book called Cosmic Voyage. And I, I got to tell you, I was very skeptical. Incredulous is the word, I guess. I just couldn't believe that the average person could do something to describe something without using their physical senses, to see something at a distance, non-local perception, I guess it's is called. So I, I, I really felt like I should go take the class. Either I was gonna find out that RV was a hoax. Right. Or that there was a hole in my graduate training in the knowledge I'd learned that there was something else going on that I hadn't been taught about in graduate school or anywhere before in college. And, and that's what it turned out to be the latter because it worked. Everyone in the class within a couple of days, in my uh, you know estimation, having taught statistics, I could see they were getting a lot more accuracy than they should be if they were discussing.
0: guessing. Okay. Very
1: good descriptions of what the target, you wouldn't be shown the target till after the session, it was in a folder behind you in a okay. manila folder you know no way you could see it but people would uh get uh, very accurate drawings and descriptions and i had a couple of these too within a few days and i you just want how did you do that mm-hmm. I, I it was disturbing charlotte it was disturbing to be able to do this because i almost in some ways didn't want it to work i mean my brain you know when you get you, you finished your PhD, you want to feel like you know how things work, like you're some sort of expert in some right, right, area right. of your profession. And here you come across something that has no real explanation of how you're doing it, but you just did it. It's like if you levitated a spoon in front of you and you just thought, let's just do this for fun, and it actually levitated, and you and, and you didn't even know how you did it. It's that sort of thing, like that. Or you bent a spoon and you're just kidding, and also. That type of thing, it, it it didn't fit, and here we're doing it day after day, and I realized there just there was something important going on here, uh, you know, like a subterranean information flow
0: mm-hmm.
1: that you weren't conscious of, but there it has had to be happening, or you wouldn't be drawing such accurate pictures on your page of the target.
0: That's really inter- interesting, because you know it, the belief is that we all have. We're all born with abilities. But then as we get older, you know, we get living our lives and stuff, we we kind of suppress those abilities. But if we really, you know, if we really sit down, you know, like you did to, to go into that class, if you really sit down and apply yourself to it, you can bring those abilities back out again.
1: That's a very good way to describe it. Yeah. It is something that's already there that you forgot you had because you got socialized by the society we grow up in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we've ourselves to fit that society as we grow older, but kids are still have contact with some original ability. They haven't suppressed it as much. And it's why it's fun to be around kids because they're more spontaneous than adults. They kind of say what they're thinking. And that spontaneity is one of the keys to being good at RV.
0: It is. And, and yeah what when you were doing the rv stuff did, did you find it difficult to do it or, or did it come did it seem to come easily to you once you got going with it
1: yeah it's it's something you're sitting there you we learned what's called a con- coordinate remote viewing it's a written system as opposed to a more spontaneous uh, non-written just a verbal descriptions sort of system that other people do there are different ways to do it we were learning the Ingo Swan CRV system that he designed for the government through a contract at Stanford Research uh, Institute as it was called back then in Palo Alto and uh, so you're doing this and you know kind of going through the stages in this protocol phase one phase two phase three and you're just sort of following the there's only one rule in the system really is don't edit anything out whatever you get during the session write it down somewhere either as noise that you recognize is just you might be making up or kind of the subtle signal and you're thinking is this noise or signaling you're just writing it down you really don't know during the session if you're on target or not but there is a wonderful paradox in rv which is the more confused you feel the more likely you are to be accurate The opposite of what we're used to feeling when we're being, you know, uh, consciously logical and, uh, you know, uh, following rules of logic and so forth and we feel confidence in our ideas. This is the opposite. You don't feel confident in this at all because you don't know why you're getting these colors, these shapes, these textures. You feel like you're making it up. But Mm -hmm. when you get your target feedback at the end, you can see. Either you missed the target and you didn't get very much, or sometimes you nail it, which is really improbable given there's so many types of pictures and types of targets you could be given during any session, that if you get like 70, 80% of the shapes and the colors, you're way outside of, you know, the statistical likelihood of getting that right if you weren't really getting some sort of contact internally that you're not aware of. So. To answer your question, you're not really aware that you're getting the contact, and you end your session. You do a post session summary.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And and
1: you look at the picture and you go, "Wow, that is really amazing." There's that shape. There's that. Uh... I'm happy to show you some examples if you'd like sure. to see what it looks like a little bit later. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what you said makes perfect sense because I had a psychic on my team uh, when I first started this team, who actually because we used to film. A TV show, and she actually went on camera going, I don't know how I do this. It just comes right. to me, and when it's accurate, it's, uh, it's just it even impresses me, you know. So it's interesting to hear because a lot of you know, and I don't want to cut down the psychic world, but there's a lot of psychics that have big heads. Oh, yeah, I can do this and I can do that. You know, the truth of the matter is, yeah, you can, but you still don't know how it comes.
1: So you don't better, know, it's no. better to that, humble that when is
0: you right. have an attitude
1: you don't it's not a conscious process you're attempting to get your conscious mind just to write down the feelings that you get during the session without editing too much out so you're not aware of how the information is coming through but it does come through and as you get more experience in viewing you learn not to edit as much out Uh, it's a big leap of faith every time you do a session you under most circumstances, you don't have any information about the target ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And you don't find out that you do have a monitor and the monitor is there just to keep you writing something down, you know, and there is a kind of a, you know, a set of phases and the monitor wants to make sure you're going through the phases in the CRV system. Right. But they're not telling you anything about the target and um, you don't know by their reactions whether you're off or on. So you don't know how you do it, but there you did it at the end. I mean, and sometimes it's really, really accurate. And it's astounding. And it can be done double blind so that the monitor doesn't know the target either. And they're still just walking you through the faces without knowing the target. And you still, I've seen many examples, you know, when I teach it here in Boulder in live classes where people just nail the target. They get every aspect of it. And it was double blind. I didn't, nobody knew what it was till we were done. It's astounding to see it happen. And it's it's like a mini miracle every time.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, quickly, a question in the chat room. Can anybody learn to remote view?
1: I think so. Uh, there are some people, like you're saying, that seem to be naturally. Uh, I mean, it's not that they're better at it. They're a little more tuned to that type of signal. And and that doesn't mean it's necessarily desirable for people to be naturally good at it. I think everyone is as good as, as they need to be. Sometimes people have gone through near-death experiences or some sort of physical trauma before they were had this sort of psychic ability, naturally, without any training. Uh, people who've been through uh, military combat, people who've fallen off ladders. Uh, people who've been injured in some way sometimes pick this up as they heal. Uh, it's, it's, you know, Charlotte, it's the same thing. Have you ever known someone that was sick for a while and they started drawing and they got really good at it while they were in bed for a couple months? Yeah. Uh, that was true with my mom. She never showed any artistic ability until she was bedridden for a couple of weeks. All of a sudden she was doing this amazing stuff. It, it's like the brain is what well, they call it, say in science, it's plastic, it it's, has plasticity, and it can change and regrow the, the neuro, neurological connections. Mm-hmm. And that happens with this RV process too. So to answer the, you know, the listener's question, it's a good question. Everyone could do it to some degree. I once asked this of Ingo Swan at one of the conferences in Las Vegas, the urban conferences that were held every year. And he, he would, he started coming to these after 2002. Ingo Swan being the kind of inventor of this particular CRV system, a uh, natural psychic and an artist. And I said, Ingo, who what makes a good who, who makes a good viewer? He said, artists and musicians. Huh. People that are already sort of right brained, that are tuned to going with the flow a little bit. It, it's kind of a go with the flow without f- being afraid to do that. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. One thing I was thinking while, while you were talking about this is that I teach basic psychic development classes, you know, beginning. And one thing I tell the students is that no matter what comes to mind, there's no wrong answer. Right. Because it could be related to a right answer. So you don't know.
1: You don't know. know?
0: And that's the thing. Just let it all flow. Let let, let it all come out.
1: No, that's very good, Charlotte. And I I like to say in our classes, uh, this is something that Lynn Buchanan, one of the people in the military uh, remote viewing program back at at Defense Intelligence Agency in the, uh, I guess it was in the 80s. He would say every session is a good session if you learn something about yourself. We already know what the target is. Somebody knows what the target is. So it's not about naming it. It, It's about can you discover more within yourself? And that is the most challenging thing to pick up in the class is it doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong. It's did you learn something about the process? You can learn by making mistakes. We all fall off a bicycle when we're learning to ride a bike a couple of times. Uh, but it's that, that is the right attitude. If you learn something, it's always a good session. Right. If you nailed it and you don't know how you did it, that isn't as good as a session where you only got part of it, but you learned a lot about yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's a process of discovery, seeing how you perceive and, uh, learning not to edit, going with the flow. Yep. Right.
0: How long does it take people like, like, like when they come into your classes, how many classes does it take before they can do full reads? And I know there's some people are more you know quicker than others at it. But on the average, how long does it take people to do this? You,
1: you know, in my experience, it takes a couple of days of training. Uh, you could get people who get good results within a, two days or one day. That's just sort of, uh, I guess, the way some people are. They're just ready to do it. But it, in my experience, it usually takes a couple of days. And perhaps by day three, you get some breakthrough result. It could happen sooner or it could take later. It could take longer it could be after three days and our classes typically are three days so most people get results within that time period but this Mm -hmm. is the interesting thing about it when they started doing this in the 70s it would take like a year of training to get somebody to be able to do this and it's like that thing called the hundredth monkey Mm -hmm. phenomena right is that uh when you get one or two monkeys learning how to wash potatoes you know they each have to learn how to do it but after you have like a whole troop of monkeys washing their potatoes it just sort of spreads because Mm -hmm. other monkeys pick up the behavior so it seems you know we call it the icebreaker effect it just seems so many people have learned rv that it in them the the field around us the morphological field it there's sort of this feeling like it's possible and so it seems to be easier to learn than it might have been 50 years ago
0: interesting and with the military doing this i mean i I mean for obvious reasons they would want to get involved with this are they still or do you, you probably don't know but i mean obviously the, the, they were training people for this uh, did you think they're still using it out in the field and stuff
1: i don't have any firsthand knowledge if that's true i mean the official program was canceled but that we were told this about lots of programs we'll, right. we now know we're not canceled like all these ufo study programs which have been going on since roswell according to people like John Ramirez, who's been giving a lot of interviews recently, retired CIA officer. And so, uh, you know, oddly enough, this kind of came out of the MKUltra program in the CIA, which was a sort of mind control project with LSD and things like that. And one of the things they got interested in was RV. But that's because the Soviet Union was doing it and they learned that the Soviets had some pretty good viewers and they were concerned that the U.S. was going to fall behind in a kind of psychic arms race. So it was I don't know if they wanted to start this, but they wanted to protect their military installations and assets from psychic spy. So they felt like they had to learn enough about it to see if you could create like a defensive force field, which no one as far as I know, ever figured out how to do it, but that led them to start doing it. And, you know, having people like Ingo and Joe McMonocle, another viewer from the East coast uh, who worked at DIA and came out to SRI sometimes, you know, to kind of work with this. And they eventually they had a whole cadre of these RV psychic spies, but the Soviet union and the the Russians had quite good viewers too. I mean, Ed May, someone who ran SRI after Hal Puthoff and Russell Targ, he, he picked up, He took I took over the program in the, I think it was around 1980 or so. Um, it made, Later 80s, yeah. Uh, Mid 80s, excuse me. He uh, wrote a book called ESP Wars, East and West, and he goes into all of the Russian psychics who were in their RV program and they had their own version of this. So, um, uh. So whether it's still going on now, I mean, I've heard suggestions that it might be, but it's probably done, you know, it's probably, it's probably done by the same process they use to research UFOs. They have private aerospace and defense contractors take it over so they don't have to be liable to FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act requests. So that's one way to hide a program is to privatize it through a black budget program. I'm sure your listeners are familiar with this idea. So that way the public can't find out about it. So if it is going on, I'm not aware of it. I I wouldn't be surprised if people are doing it because it's a relatively inexpensive way to get more information uh, that can be valuable and useful to somebody.
0: Now, for someone to do this, how much do they have to focus on like, like, like say, you know, say, say you give somebody an envelope that's sealed, you know, and t- tell me, tell me what comes to you. Do, do they have to meditate before they do this stuff or, or how, how, how do they go about getting into it?
1: There is a cool down period before the session starts and you can take five or 10 minutes. If you want to do a thorough cool down, you could meditate. Well, here's the thing, Charlotte, everybody's different. So mm-hmm. we don't like to say you got to do it this way you know, you got to meditate for some people walking around the block is sufficient. Some people, you know, they might want to listen to music. Uh, we don't want to turn it into some sort of, you know, superstition that you have to do it this way to get a good result. But it just seems like you naturally, you know, as you were saying, the way kids can naturally do this kids talk right. about having, you know, these imaginary playmates and things, and the parents don't believe them. Uh, you know, they see things that, that adults don't see. And, uh, it's something that we all have. So it really is a question of getting out of the monkey mind for a time period while you're doing the session, just kind of sink into it. Now that's what the training is useful for. It just teaches you for the time we're doing the session, just stop trying to figure things out, trying to name things, the left brain type of thinking, stop trying to be, you know, uh, looking at the, uh, the, the, the design of everything and the function and just describe as an artist what it appears like, what it looks like, what your impressions are without having to name it. And so once you can drop into that state, um, I think you can basically sit down and just start doing it. And, you know, as you go through the session, you feel like you get in your zone a little bit. Um, So it seems that with practice, you learn to, Go with that flow. Let go a little bit and just describe what's coming now to your mind, uh, to your body mind as you're doing the session. But the thing is what you're going to get at the end of the session is target feedback. You're going to get a picture or something. So you don't need to focus on the envelope. If you're going to focus on anything, it is what are you going to be shown in half an hour? What picture? Describe that if you want to just you know talk about it that way uh-huh. but the idea is to actually go to the target site in your non-local awareness to move around there to go up and down and and walk around there to describe what you see as if you were there now I'm not saying that you are there right I don't think it's a type of astral projection at least not this type of system it may feel like that I think you're still here in the room just like you I'm over here and you're over in California right. and we're doing this interview you're still there but uh, your perceptual systems are picking up something that's not in your immediate vicinity. So it, it could feel like you're actually going there. And sometimes it does. It's a very convincing feeling.
0: That's right. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done it also where um, where the psychic has read through my eyes when I've been on location. You know, because we didn't have a psychic on location. So I've done walkthroughs where she has seen through my eyes. And she'll say, well, there's, a, there, there's, there's somebody standing to your right or there's somebody standing to your left. It's incredible. When you get somebody that really knows how to do it, it's incredible.
1: It really is. And um, there is a very good movie, which I'm not connected with, but I'll just, excuse me, I'm just going to stand up here. I'm just going to adjust my table a little bit. Okay. <laughs> There's a very good movie. I don't know if you've seen it, Charlotte, called Third Eye Spies.
0: I have not. I'll have to check uh, it
1: out. Produced by Lance Mungia. Who I have met a few times at the Irma Conferences and Russell Tark, who I've met and ta- Russell being one of the the founders of the program at SRI in the 70s. Third Eye Spies and I'm not promoting this because I have anything to do with it. I think it's literally the best movie on RV ever produced. There's some other good ones um, that we've seen in the past mm-hmm. but this one is really thorough and it goes into all of these knockdown incredible sessions that they did against you know real world targets and how accurate it could be i mean literally to go into a building and start reading the the names on the file folders in secured facilities just as practice wow and to get it all right one after the other that is an amazing thing that you or or me or any, our audience you could actually put your mind on a distant location and read What's there on pages? That's incredible. You see this in the Third Eye Spy movies, and it goes through the whole history of the program and shows you how scarily accurate it could be sometimes.
0: That's incredible. It's it's hard to imagine. I mean, not. I mean, for the average person, it's hard to imagine. For me, like I said, you know, I've I've been working with people like that for years, but it's just it's hard to wrap. It's hard to like wrap your head around because it's it's such an art. I'm going to call it an art because it is an art to do that for people that can do it. You know, literally.
1: Yeah. And, you know, one more thing about that is that is how it started, Charlotte. Before they were viewing distant targets, they, they didn't know you could do that with RV. The original system was the outbounder system, which is what you're talking about. You would send somebody out somewhere in Palo Alto or San Francisco or somewhere. And the viewer is back in the lab at Palo Alto in their shielded room.
0: Mm-hmm
1: would look through the outbounders' eyes and describe what they were seeing, where they were, what would be to the left, what would be to the right. And, and you can see some of these in Third Eye spy, some of these amazing outbounder sessions. I mean, anyone would say it's amazing where they just drew the buildings and this and that. And they, like that outbounder could have been at one, any, uh, you know, 20 different locations. It's all randomized. They don't even know where they're going until they drive around for a while, open an envelope. And hear the viewers back somewhere, and describing exactly where they are, and it's incredible. So that was the original system, and that I'm glad you mentioned that. Before it was just a picture in a, in a folder.
0: So with the system, um, how do p- when somebody comes into you and says, "Hey, I, I want to try this," how do you start working with it? You don't have to tell the whole thing because obviously you want to teach it, but
1: no, I have a uh, I have a free class online
0: okay cool a
1: free mini class where i go through the basic instruction in like three or four videos uh and you can just try it and see if it's something that is interesting to you or not i i'll the website it's 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 learn uh learn rv.org, learn RV.org. Okay. and there's a link there for the free mini class uh i'm just saying that because people do say i you know i want to try so we'll just you don't have to pay anything. You could just tr- try these couple videos I made and there's a target at the end mm-hmm. and see if it's something that appeals to you before you invest more time in it. Is it something that's fun and do you feel like this is a useful thing for your, you to be doing? Does it feel like a, a good way to use your time? Or is it something that doesn't feel natural at all? There are some people that don't like the written system. They are have their own system and they want to do it their own way. So that's usually how I start with people is I say, go to my site, learnrv.org, try the mini class and uh, see if it it it's for you. Now, again, the basis of this system and I think all RV systems separating out signal from noise. If we say to you, Charlotte, okay, for the next 20 minutes, don't edit anything out. Everything that you think has to be written on the page somewhere, feel everything. That's challenging. I mean, normally we're really good at editing things out, right? Exactly. I, I edit things all all day long, as everyone else does. You know, when someone cuts you off in traffic or something, you got to edit out some of those <laughs> feelings. You can't just, you know, express yourself any way you want. We we're very good at, you know, our culture teaches us how to express ourselves in socially acceptable ways. But during the session, you're supposed to write everything out that you get, either as noise or signal, and that's the essence of the system. Can you distinguish it and? Uh as you practice this, you'll see that the signal can be, it feels different than the noise, and that's what the training's about.
0: I just find this fascinating, because like I said, I keep saying, I've seen it done, I've worked with it, you know, but I've, I've never done it myself. And I've always been curious about, about try, attempting it myself. So I'll have to try your free.
1: I would watch the Third Eye Spy movies, and then you're welcome to try my free mini class. Okay.
0: okay I can do that. Uh, it,
1: the, the Third Eye Spy movies will show you a little bit what it's like. And then, uh, and there's plenty of other people that teach it. I'm not the only one. There's uh, Laurie Williams uh, and uh, Daz Smith. And you can, a lot of people have classes in this. It's all sort of similar systems. And uh, it is one of the things that you can learn online through a Zoom class. We've been doing Zoom classes recently since COVID. Now, I do like being in the same room with people because I like to see what they're getting. I like to look at the whole picture. Mm-hmm. even their body language, as they're doing the session. You can see a lot from the way they're writing and so forth. Uh, and that's a little more challenging to do in a Zoom box, like setting on a screen. Uh, right. But still, it's a pretty flexible thing. And most people who have done it say they really learned a lot about themselves. They feel like they kind of pay attention uh, m- more to the intuitions than they get. That's really the point of this is to learn to start paying attention to the other sources of information within your body and your mind that don't come from your left uh you know your left brain your conscious thought there's other types of thought that you have that is accurate and worth paying attention to gut feelings are just one of those types of of thoughts and and rv is kind of a variation of gut feeling so
0: that was one of my next questions was that now when once people do this what what do they do with it now, you know once they have it
1: well, people do different things with it. My main focus is it's uh, kind of a way to learn more about yourself, so that when you are in different situations with people and events, that you learn to trust the feelings you get ahead of time and realize those can be accurate. Your precognitive feelings. People who have taken the class tell me that they feel like they do better at their business afterwards because they learn how to, you know. Like size people up, people that they're going to be working with. Is this someone I can trust or not? We're all faced with these situations, everyday trust. And a lot, you know, our entire perceptual system is very good at, uh, you know, discerning people that we can trust and people that we don't trust. And this seems to heighten that in a healthy way. So people have told me that they feel like they just make better decisions after doing this type of training because they can sort of tell the difference between signal, uh, and noise. But some of the people that are really good at this can work, you know, in, in many different contexts, they could be, you know, some people work in missing persons cases. Some people work with law enforcement, some people, uh, like to do this to find buried treasure. I remember there was a French group that gave us a presentation, a guy that ran a company in France that worked with government and French corporations. And he showed us a lot of very successful sessions where they found buried treasure. Cool. Uh, Things like that. We've done it here in Boulder to find missing pets or to attempt to find missing pets, but it's always very complex once you start actually applying it. For example, if people do call you up or email you, can you help find my missing pet and you, the viewers view it and they say, the pet's not physically here anymore. It's been eaten by a coyote or something. They're not going to want to hear that, <laughs> the owners. Uh, so it, it's it's quite complex to actually do it. And you want to have a, a like a company to do that, a bunch of people around you. Like you want the viewer to be shielded from the people that want, the information because you don't want their preconceptions to contaminate the viewer sessions. So right away, you need a few people to do this, people to prepare the session, people to deal with the client. Um, There has to be kind of these levels so that the viewing can be fair and transparent. And uh, so, uh, but so there's basically you can do RV like I'm pretty much focused, which is to learn more about yourself. It's like a gateway. Mm -hmm. process, a gateway drug to other interesting phenomena, to open you up to more of yourself, to see more of yourself and how the universe works with this sort of non-local mind that we have. And then there's the other side of it. People like to do specific applications uh, and, and to really use it over and over. Some people like to use it with things like the stock market to make predictions. And there are people that have done this for Years, Greg Kolodzic, I think his name is Canadian, uh extreme athlete who did RV for 10 years. I think he did over 5,000 sessions just to see if you could predict the stock market or commodities or something. Uh, And he was able to get like 65% success rate over a decade. That would be impossible if you were guessing. You're not going to get 65%. It's right. going to go approach 50-50 if you're just guessing. But he was way above it. Um, and so he proved to us, if that's really your excitement to predict the stock market, it takes a lot of work to do it every week. It's not like a free lunch. You are describing targets. You're going to be shown after the market closes on Friday. Uh, that takes some work and it, but it, it does show that it worked. So those are different ways that you can apply it.
0: Let me ask you this. Is, is it exhausting to do? Because I know some, some psychic work is, it's just, you know, it wipes you out.
1: It does take real effort. And when people say to me, Simeon, can you just view this target for us or me, get your group together? The answer is usually no. And the answer is no, because it's a lot of work. You're, you're coordinating a whole bunch of people. This is going to take time. And it takes some real energy, as you said. It does take some real energy. When you're done with a session, you do feel this kind of exhaustion, not a bad in a bad way, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's as if you've done uh, some real athletic event that took quite a bit of physical exertion. You've, you know, run up a mountain or something, it's some real work and you're going to feel it at the end. So it better be worth it to put in that type of energy. You don't see it while the person's sitting there doing their session, but it's going on within their body. There's a lot of different pathways that are connected to perceive in that way, as you know. So it takes some energy. So I feel like it has to be really worth it for the viewer to be doing that. Now for self-training, it's worth it to do it just like when you're training anything that you you do in your life. It's going to take some effort and exertion to get better at something. But we don't just do it on a whim uh, because again, this is some real energy you're putting into it. Um, and if you learn something about yourself and you say, wow, I didn't know that I had these abilities, that that feeling is very accurate, that sense of something about to happen. We, you know, Charlotte, we've all had this RV feeling when there's something's happened to our relatives. There's been some event in the family and you just get the feeling to pick up the phone or talk to somebody and it turned out something was going on and you had no logical reason to call them at the time. We've all had that sense of uh, a precognitive sense or a knowingness that doesn't have a rational explanation. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing we're honing in on with RV. We're just really working with it to to tune it up.
0: Now, when somebody does this, should they be in a quiet room off by themselves or, or, or do some have the ability to do it in crowded spaces or how does that
1: work? Yeah, this system is designed to work anywhere. Okay. Because they originally designed to work on the battlefield and they wanted, you know, you to be able to sit there and do your session and to see where the enemy positions were. Uh, and it's not fast enough to do it in real time in, in that sort of context. But in my experience, it really, you could do it anywhere because you're not paying attention to the noise around you. The sounds uh, you're paying attention to something inside a, a for me, it's like a screen that's pretty far back there, a pretty faint screen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and uh, But that screen is there no matter what's going on around you. So you can do this in, in a noisy environment too. It doesn't have to be super quiet.
0: Okay, cool. That's really cool. That that whole thing is just so fascinating, you know, to think that people can do that.
1: It's amazing. And I I, I wouldn't have thought I could do it until I did it. <laughs> and I think a lot of people, it's that way too. I mean, yeah. It's something that's amazing, especially in a group. You see other people get really amazing results. And I mean, it's not something that just is like a random thing. Like if we all sat around like monkeys at a typewriter, eventually we would type out a Bible right. in a million years. Yeah. After a million years, you might uh, maybe. But right. this, it doesn't take a million years to get a good hit. This can be done in a couple of days. And it's um, all the you know, the. Analysis that's been done, and it shows that you're getting at least 8% more information than you should be if you were just guessing. There's 8% more accuracy there over the long term, at least, which is something. So,
0: as well, it's even more impressive because of your background. You being a PhD, you know, you don't see, you don't hear of a lot of PhDs, you know, doing this kind of thing and then having that open of mind, you know, to have your mind that open to it
1: no that is true and i think that's one of the unfortunate things about academics is you become you know more and more a specialist in less and less in these very narrow topics and it, it i mean it was going to happen to me too if i hadn't come across rv i i used to publish in other areas i think i'm still more well known for these other areas i used to publish in social science just because those papers are still out there from decades ago and they're still you but I think it's really healthy to challenge yourself. And uh, I'm really glad I came across this because not only did it introduce me to RV, I mean, there's so many topics associated with RV, the types of people you meet, the people who've worked in the government, the people who've worked in NASA that wanna come for some RV training. Mm -hmm. They will come through your classes at some point because they're really curious about this. And it's really interesting to get to know these people and, and you realize that there's a classified world and these topics have been studied for a long time by different intelligence agencies within the government to try to see. Uh, just like this is, this is an example. One book recently, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon by James T. Lekatsky, you know, a missile analyst uh, at the DIA
0: mm-hmm.
1: who is chosen to by Senator Harry Reid to lead this OSAP program this ufo study program from 2008 to 2010 they couldn't get funding past then but they they go off to skinwalker ranch in northern utah encounter all these weird phenomena and cryptids and entities which are tangentially related to rv in some way just because once you start doing rv you know you do see a little more you do experience a little more and you're a little more open that things could be real that you didn't believe before but that they think that you have a you know that one of our intelligence agencies looking into a shape-shifting creatures on a ranch somewhere.
0: That's something. Missile
1: analysts. So it leads to different topics. And just, that's just a perfect example. They were going to use remote viewers out there too, but the DIA didn't agree to fund that. That could have been part of the OSAP program, which became a tip, which we're all hearing about now, You know, in terms of these UFO disclosure and Congress having these classified briefings right now, the UAP task force. They're called UIPs now, I guess. But anyway, these topics are kind of connected. I mean, I was once talking to Jacques Vallée at one of these meetings, you know, the, the the UFO researcher who worked with J. Allen Hynek Project. And he told me right there, he said, you know what? Very few UFO researchers are telling you about is a lot of these witnesses have RV type experiences before the encounter. And then afterwards, they don't feel quite the same again after they've seen the craft or encountered beans or whatever they've experienced. They had something happen right before the encounter. Things started seeming a little different, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then afterwards, they feel like they have these abilities they didn't have before. Wow. So it shows us these topics are connected in very interesting ways. It's really interesting to kind of piece it together like a jigsaw puzzle. They're not really separate topics. Uh, so, uh, you know, go just to go back to your comment. Yeah, it's really good to kind of break out of your subject area if you're willing to do it. Um, I'm not saying you have to do it. There are people that are specialized in those areas and it gives them a certain type of job security. Right. I guess for their life, but that could also become tiresome because you got to keep doing the same thing because that's where your salary is coming from. If you can break that early enough, like I did, then you can go off into all these different areas and and really feel like you're discovering things for the first time. I mean, real things, how the universe really works, not how you were told. How does it really work? I mean, isn't that really worth f- seeing and experiencing for yourself? I think mm-hmm.
0: so. Absolutely. I've been thinking about that saying that scientists tend to use, and it's: if I can't see it, or if you don't bring one in for me, and I can't dissect it, therefore it doesn't exist.
1: Right. And there was a time they didn't believe in meteors either. Right. Even with the evidence, they thought they thought that meteors in around the eighteen hundreds, beginning of the 1800s, they, they, In Europe, they thought that these were peasant superstitions. Peasant superstitions. You know, how often have you heard that? When people believe in certain things that I'm sure our audience is interested in. And it's labeled like urban folklore. Superstition, right? Why people believe in weird things. Well, meteors were considered weird things until they really looked at it. They looked at the composition of these meteors. They looked at the patterns of how they felt. And they realize they have to be falling from the sky. They're not coming from volcanoes or whatever else. They're not coming from the moon. They are really coming from outer space. That was like huge a couple hundred years ago to accept meteorites. Okay, it's the same way with these topics. It's just as a daunting challenge to believe that paranormal phenomena actually are real. Now, it doesn't mean you can easily explain it from the get-go, but, you know, many things like electricity and vacuums, literal vacuums in glass bottles were considered supernatural at one point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We don't consider vacuum supernatural anymore. And I'm sure it's going, all of these topics that we like to talk about will at some point, and I'm not trying to explain them away. I'm just, they're real. I think there will be principles that show why they exist at some point in science of the future.
0: Do you think that more scientists and more people with PhDs are starting to, to, to open themselves up to this stuff now?
1: Yeah, this is what I'm hearing, and it's coming out of the UFO, UAP research that uh, has, you know, taken off recently since the New York Times article in 2017 about the Pentagon's secret UFO program and the efforts of recently deceased Senator Harry Reid mm-hmm. and others. Um, To who are privy to this information, you know, as Senator Reid said on that uh, James Fox documentary, The Phenomenon about UFOs, a very good documentary about UFOs. When he's asked by Fox, you know, do you think a lot of the information hasn't come out yet about UFOs? And Reid just says, no, most the vast majority of it hasn't seen the light of day. So, this is what we're talking about with all these phenomena, it's been hidden behind classified programs. And uh, it shouldn't be, uh, we, we, we should be t- talking about it. Like we're talking about it on the show, but with evidence. I, and I'm, the reason I'm saying this shortly is I've talked to people that have worked in these intelligence agencies and they tell me the most astounding stories that the American public wasn't told. I'll just tell you one.
0: Sure.
1: Uh, there was a Soviet psychic experiment in 76 where a Soviet PK expert was tasked with bending a spoon a thousand miles away. The, the spoon was in Moscow at some lab and they sent this psychic a thousand miles away and an intelligence agency within the U S government. And a number of people were monitoring this in real time and on command, the spoon bent without anybody touching it. Now I said to this person, well, did you ever tell anyone? He goes, "No. you're the only other person I've ever told who wasn't in that room that day. And I'm thinking, like, well, why? I mean, isn't that? Do you think school kids would be like, peak? here's the headline in New York Times tomorrow PK proven to be real? He goes, no, we couldn't. We had to keep, you know, we had to protect our methods and sources, which is what they'll say. But the cost is that you're hearing this for the first time from me. And this happened 50 years ago. And it never made science. It's, I, I, look, I subscribe to Science Magazine. Don't you think that'd be a nice article in science magazine? I've been reading this for 30 years. Yeah. Don't you think that'd be a good article that PK is proven to be, you know, psychokinesis, your ability to physically influence things without touching them or sending heat or anything just with your body mind with intention. It's been proven to be real, but if you ask the average person, they would say, I don't think there's any evidence, but here you have, a major intelligence agency that saw it. They, many people who were there that day knew that PK was real. So there's a lag time and I think it's taking too long. I think it hurts us because it pushes us back scientifically in many other ways. And we could be having a lot of fun discussions at parties uh, with this type of evidence. Uh, I'll give you one more example. Go for it. I've talked to people that have handled UFO crash wreckage for real top people material scientists who i've met at conferences who told me about this but didn't want to come forward with their names of who they are and they told me in great detail what this material looks like why all the reasons why it's not made here on earth the the, the you know the physics behind it that is beyond what we do here okay. and this particular person said it was a thousand years ahead of our tech in terms of the the micro size of the the technology in there. So that's just another example of fun discussions we could have at parties. If these people were coming forward, people like you and me in our audience at parties, when we get challenged or in the coffee shop, wherever you go, about these phenomena, you'd have more ammunition of evidence from real world scientists with Stellar reputations, if you knew who they were, but they don't want to come from, But I think it. Going back to your question, I'm giving you a long-winded answer. Oh, I, think okay. okay. I think it's changing. I think it's changing. I think it's changing. I think more people are coming forward uh, because all we're, we've called them UAP now. For example, this right. is the UFO area, so it's not something just phenomena. We're not calling them objects, whatever. I think it's changing. Yeah. I think they
0: made a UAP to confuse us older folks, <laughs> so they could tell which one of us are from the old school and which ones are from the new school. <laughs> You know, the thought comes to mind with this is that maybe the, either the government, like, like, like people have the ability to bend spoons and move objects. Maybe they just don't want you know the regular guy knowing that they have this ability, you know, because they can't control it. Or, or maybe yeah. they just think that even with the even with the UFO, excuse me, UAP, see my age, they don't want to release the information they have about these crafts because they're afraid to start a panic because not everybody is going to look upon it like those of us that are that are into this stuff.
1: No, I mean, we could spend another hour of talking what the motivations are, but you know, people like Chris Mellon and Luis Elizondo, who who are in the you know the Department of Defense, right, have been coming forward saying we need to bring this out to have a national discussion, or we're going to end up having a Sputnik moment where some other countries way ahead of us, like the you know Soviet Union was in '57 with satellites, right, and this is the danger is. It's happening. People are experiencing it. Uh, Some people have experienced uh, what appear to be ET abduction events. We don't talk about it. And if you mention these types of things to your neighbors or your colleagues or your employers, you could be subject to some severe ridicule. And nobody likes that. And we don't need to be undergoing that ridicule. I mean, if you knew that your own government is spending money and time to figure these things out, uh, they don't have to tell us everything they know. Maybe, you know, there's reasons that they're working on it, that they don't want to talk about it, but that doesn't mean the rest of us don't need to have an adult conversation right. about what's going on with all these topics. And I, for one, uh, having been involved in these subjects for about, I guess, over 25 years now, I got involved with RV in 96. Um, I it hasn't progressed as much as I might have expected it to. That doesn't mean it won't catch up in a huge rubber band snapping back type thing. Right. But look, folks, these topics are real and there's evidence for it. And just be science magazine finally had an article about the UFO program in the Pentagon. I still haven't seen them have do anything on RV or uh, crop circles or cryptids and Bigfoot that hasn't made it in here even though we've got lots of evidence and people's experiences mm-hmm. but you know it'll get there it'll, it'll get there eventually I'm, I'm I'm optimistic it'll catch up and it'll be you know it's fun to be part of the ride right now as it is catching up
0: well like you say I mean when I started ghost hunting back 15 years ago with my team it was still it was still relatively hey we don't want me to know about this Shh, when you come out to our house because you know pe- pe- people will ridicule me and all this but now But with all the TV shows having been out and everything, people are so much more into it and more open about it.
1: Yeah, there's more TV shows. We've had The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. We've had all these ghost hunting shows. I was on a pilot for one of these ghost shows that didn't get produced. It was going to be on the Sci-Fi Channel. And we went to uh, Cripple Creek here in Colorado, which had a lot of haunted sites. And we stayed up late and did the EVP and all sorts of fun things. And I got to talk to people the next day, and they—I t- got all these great stories just in the in the restaurant there from people who worked there and the bartender. Couldn't believe it. So yeah, there's more shows, and I th- I think I think that's a very good point, Charlie. There is a lot more evidence now coming out on YouTube from and podcasters like yourself, and, and and you know any of us who have YouTube channels, we have an audience, and we can get the information out. Uh, a lot quicker than there's all, you know, it's not just the main central media anymore with seven channels or 10 radio stations. You know, there's a lot of channels. And I think it's catching up that way, uh, whether people realize it or not, when people have encounters of any sort, now you can go on a podcast somewhere, you can record it and people can listen to it and they say, Hey, that happened to me. I'm not the only one. And that's, that's a good, that's a good feeling. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly, there are other yeah.
1: people out there who have experienced what you've, even if you've never talked about it, you can on your YouTube, you know, hear what you want and you can hear people describing something you've experienced possibly.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yeah. That is
1: a, that's a big thing that's working on our favor. I think right now.
0: It's been huge. Yeah. I mean, the, like I said, when you look at what was going on 15 years ago and, 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 in- I mean, it's taken 15 years to really get people comfortable, but they have. I mean, it's it's just a completely different attitude than what they I think it is.
1: I think it is, and I think we're making a lot of progress. There's a lot of great information, and I I almost don't have enough time in a day to listen to all the shows I'd like to listen to about all these topics. Oh, yeah. Really good research, and really, there's some really good shows out there. On all these topics, and if, you know, if you don't believe in some of these topics or you don't think they could be real, you just haven't taken the time to listen to the evidence.
0: Absolutely. And witness
1: testimony is evidence. Absolutely. A type of evidence.
0: So what's next for you?
1: Well, I am currently working on a, a new book about how some of this all fits together. And to try to make sense of a lot of these topics, kind of put it into a framework of, uh, you know different states of matter beyond the ones we're used to coherent matter basically and how that fits into a lot of these phenomena in terms of orbs and strange sorts of things that happen around haunted sites and cryptids even rv sessions we've had balls of light show up so i'm kind of looking into that and seeing kind of how that all ties into you know the multiverse so mm-hmm. that's my project that I'm working on, which I hope, I hope that I'll be through in a couple of weeks. I'm kind of most of the way through the book at the point. At the
0: Fantastic. I would love to have you on again to talk other stuff. Sure. I mean, you have such a, a wide array of knowledge on stuff. It's incredible.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah. No, thanks for having me on. And it's it's a lot of fun. And these topics, I encourage people to explore whatever seems interesting to them. This is real stuff. There's real science behind it. Just because society hasn't caught up yet doesn't mean it's not real. It's just like the meteorites.
0: Absolutely. How many people find you, sir?
1: Oh, well, you can find me on YouTube. Just put my name in. It's a YouTube. I'm on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on my blog at newcrystalmind.com And uh, newcrystalmind.com. And, of course, go to learnrv.org if you want to try the little mini class for yourself. You know, just see some basic instruction and try out a target
0: great 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 well thank you very much for coming on i appreciate it and like i said i want to get you back on because there's so much more we can talk about
1: yeah okay thanks a lot charlotte and thanks everyone okay, you good, have
0: you. good evening
1: okay take all care right.
0: all right that was a great show i learned a lot about uh remote viewing which was really cool and i'm, I'm actually gonna watch that movie that, that, that documentary he suggested that movie and then i'm gonna take his free course see how it goes okay Tomorrow we're going to be shifting, well, not really shifting gears because our our old friend Lon Strickler is coming on. And he's got some new information about the Mothman and some other monsters. I'm going to say monsters, cryptids. I guess cryptids is the appropriate word for all this. So he's got information about the Mothman and some other cryptids that he's been working on some projects with. So he's going to be on tomorrow with us at 6.30 p.m., usual time for the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, gosh, that was a great show. I don't know what else to say about it. Fascinating. Um, like I said, you know, maybe at some point I, I'll sit down with a particular psychic I was working with, you know, that was doing the remote viewing, and she can talk with you guys about, you know, the, working with us and and how it worked back and forth. Um, again, check us out at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. You'll find all of our videos there. All the, all the archives for these shows are there. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, there's a little subscribe button down there. You'll see a little guy, a little ghosty guy with a Sherlock Holmes hat on and a magnifying glass click on him and that'll subscribe you to our our channel Uh, and now we have more than 200 videos on there and uh several you know lots of several topics lots of different topics of of shows not only paranormal theme but other stuff as well okay uh if you like the show share it with five people if you hated the show share it with five people anyway We're getting the word out about this show, and we're growing. And I I thank everybody who listens to the podcast because we are really growing, really, really growing monthly with the podcast, and we're growing monthly on YouTube as well. So I want to thank everybody who's who's helping us out to do that. Uh, If you want to check out our YouTube page, that is kind of we have our own YouTube URL, but it's easier just to type in California Haunts on YouTube, and it will pop up. Otherwise, like I said, visit CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com and click on a video on the front page of that that'll take you directly over youtube but on the radio page again we have the archives for all these shows plus um i'm putting in the blog talk archives and those go back another 10 years so i'm starting to get through all that we had some pretty good guests on the Block talk too but anyway i want to thank you guys again and remember the ghost tour is on march 26th saturday march 26th we're going to be at a cemetery ghost hunting and uh You know, there's two spots open for that. So if you feel like you want to come out and go stunt with me and uh, my team, uh, come on down and uh, visit uh, CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com and go to Special Events at the top, and it'll pop right up for you. Anyway, thank you very much. Uh, At the bottom, you see that ticker tape running, and that's because we are a nonprofit, and everything you see here comes out of my pocket, like the headphones and the cameras and the computers and, you know, all our paranormal equipment and all that good stuff. If something breaks, I've got to pay for it out of my pocket. Plus, you know, the Internet. And, the, and StreamYard service to keep the show on the air. And if you find it in your heart to donate, that would be great. I would really appreciate it to help me offset some of the costs. Because I like to do this show, and I'm a journalist, and I, I thoroughly enjoy interviewing people like like, like Simeon. And uh, I just can't say much more about that, right? I'm a journalist. Anyway, you can do that at PayPal.me at California Haunts. Or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, you go to Venmo and just type in California Haunts and you just get to us, you know, get to that right there. But I would really appreciate it. I hate begging, but that's how the economy is. I mean, look at gas prices right now. Yikes. Anyway, I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. I'm going to go ahead and run his information. I have three books that I didn't show because I was so involved talking to him. I did not show off the books, so I'll give you the names of the books and everything. Of course, you can get them at Amazon. But here's his information right here. And websites would be planetaryintelligence.com, newcrystalmind.com, openingminds.info, and com. And Black Swan Ghost is one of his books. Opening Minds, another book. A Journey of Extraordinary Encounters, Crop Circles, and Residents. And then Planetary Intelligence is the other book. And of course, those can be got, purchased from Amazon.com. So of course I will see you tomorrow, six thirty PM with Lon Strickler. So we can talk. We can talk cryptids all night, okay? All right. Talk to you later. Bye.